Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. All right, well, again, how's everybody doing? Enjoying the off-season? Yeah, somebody told me there's like 8% occupancy in certain you know, places and times. Like, now that's off-season, right? So that's uh, kind of nice, but that will change quickly, right? So, and this, what a day, huh? Gosh. Well, we had a wonderful wedding. Michelle and I had friends of ours, daughter, get married in Colorado Springs um, yesterday. So we got back about midnight um, after the party. So, um, huh? You're so tired. Yeah, you slept the whole way. I drove. But, uh, but I'm ready to go. Um, if you've been with us, you know we've been in 1 John. And uh, I'm excited for this message because I, I think God's going to give us something. At least my prayer and expectation is God's going to speak to us. And, and hopefully he's going to speak very clearly and personally and powerfully to each of you, um, each of us this morning uh, through his word. Um, so let me just dive right in this morning. And we're in 1 John. And I'm going to read, starting in verse 7 of chapter 2 of 1 John, and go through uh, verse 14 this morning. But before we read, let me just um, ask you a couple questions. How is your faith doing? Come through a couple wild years. Have you taken the time to really evaluate your faith? Do you even know what that means? I'm speaking to Christians here. have been maybe walking with Jesus for a long time. Do you know what your faith is? How's your faith doing? And maybe a little easier to answer is, how is your joy? How's your joy? And have you had the time in it? And are you in community with friends who are at the level to be able to really call each other out on this. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Where's your joy? What's going on? What's robbed you of your joy? Right? And how my faith is doing informs how my joy is doing. It can't go the other way around. Right? Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and the Spirit flows by faith. Right? Through us, through the Holy Spirit. So, um, this is Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my faves. He says this, um, you cannot read through your New Testament without seeing at a glance that joy is meant to be an essential part of the Christian experience. I want that just to settle. And he goes on to explain just historically the thing that set Christians apart historically from the early church on was joy. First Peter calls it joy unspeakable. How's your joy? And he, writing back in the 60s, um, criticized the church and he pastored uh, Westminster Chapel in, in England. And uh, his call was the church needs reviving because we're a terrible witness if we're a joyless Christian. And that's an oxymoron. A joyless Christian is not a Christian. And so we have to get really serious in this moment, especially us here as the Crossroads family, but this is also an epidemic problem 
um, that uh, I think the pandemic exposed. Where's the joy among God's people? Where is it? It is to be the defining essence of our lives. It is the primary, and, and Jones goes on to say, how, how, the, his critique back in England, this is back, so nothing new under the sun, right? Uh, uh, he said that, man, that uh, if the church isn't joyful, who wants to be a part of it? If the Christian isn't joyful... What's happening to the name of Jesus and his abundant life and all of his goodness? Now remember, historically, when, when it talks about the joy to find the church, is this goes back to a church that was heavily persecuted. Like in the worst circumstances, they still had their joy. They still had their joy. And there's so much we could just dive into and talk to on this issue in our very therapeutic age, our very depressive anxiety, fear age here, right, today. But uh, I I want to rise above all of that, right, because we're talking to the children of God. We're talking to the church. We're talking to the redeemed, where Jesus has died for us. He has given his life for us. He's given us an eternal life. He's given us an inheritance for all, eternity of among all the people in the world, no matter what we're dealing with, we should be the most joyful people on the planet. Why are we not? Why are we not crossroads? I, I, I just think that, um, and I'm speaking to myself on this, we cannot expect to lift high the name of Jesus and for people's hearts and the harvest to, to be exposed if we don't first do some real work when it comes to our faith and it comes to evaluating where's my joy? Where's my joy? And so I want to just dive in on this issue this morning and I think there's some things that um, I, I think they've really encouraged me and so I hope to, to give you some basic practical tools for this because Lord knows we need them, don't we? Anybody here, just let's be honest, do you need a jolt of joy? Huh? Anybody with me on this? Right? What is going on? Lord, I read it. It's the fruit of the Spirit, right? You cannot. And and he goes on, and I think it's brilliant, um, because I never thought about this before, is he goes on to say, and he was a doctor. He was an MD before he was called to be a pastor. And um, to say, to kind of, address psychology of the day you cannot make yourself happy i cannot make myself happy it's a total lie yeah we can go out and buy a new car it kind of bumps us up a little bit we can go for a great ski day bumps us up a little bit but here's the deal what he means by that which is so true the more i've thought about it is that the more i try to make myself happy by buying a new house new clothes whatever it is is that actually makes it worse because quickly I realize, oh, that house, that car, ooh, those clothes, that happiness didn't last very long. I'm going to move to Aspen because, man, surely it's utopia here. Surely I'm going to find joy and fulfillment and happiness here just to find out, wow, I just can't even afford to live here. And, um, man, it really didn't do much for me, you know, uh, after all. You can't make yourself happy. There's only one thing that stirs the soul there's only one thing, only one source of joy. His name is Jesus. And he came to call us out of darkness into light and restore the soul. 
And so let me give you the first tool here before we read because we're going to, the word of God is going to show us how to carry out this. Oh, sorry. This, um, this book, by the way, and, and I don't expect, if you really have time to dive deep, he wrote a book called Spiritual Depression. It's a classic back in the 60s. My mother gave it to me when I was 24 years old. I still have the copy. And um, this book has some power and depth in it. I think it is a message for our culture today where we are scrambling, try to figure mental health, joy, feelings, all this stuff out. It, it needs to be a jolt to the Christian body to rise up, to realize what God has done for us and the resource he's given to us in these arena. This is one of the most powerful things in my life that um, it's, it's just that it, he's just rewording the, the, the Psalms, right? Where the psalmist says, he starts speaking to himself. So why are you downcast? Why are you downcast? Why are you depressed? I will worship the Lord. And in the midst of speaking to myself and forcing myself to, as the command is, rejoice in the Lord always, guess what happens? I rejoice myself. Rejoy myself. And folks, this is something profound today, especially in our culture, especially among our young people, parents. This is one of the most profound things you can do for your child. Help them understand the difference between listening to themselves and speaking to themselves. And when we speak to ourselves, we need to speak the truth of God to ourselves. And when we do, right, it's a faith step and that truth goes in, it nurtures, it comes alive. The Spirit of God moves in that and brings life and brings joy. But if I start listening to myself, we all know what that's like, right? Because we all do it, right? Man, Lord, why did this happen? Why did it happen, right? And we just get in this loop that leads us to a depression, and folks, let's just be honest. Everybody deals with depression. That's part of life. We deal with blue days. We deal with, because we listen to ourselves. And we listen to the world, right? And we just get into that loop, right, of, oh, woesy me, right? Life just is, you know, on and on. We know what that's about. Faith, folks. This is a faith. And this is where faith and joy interlock beautifully, is to bring joy, the fruit of the spirit of life. I have to learn to speak to myself the word of God. Somebody else has said, every morning I should wake up and preach the gospel to myself. i got to speak the truth. This is who I am, a child of God. This is what Jesus has done for me today. No matter what's ahead of me to this day, no matter what is going on in the circumstances in my life, I will walk in joy because of what you've done for me, God. Because you have me in your hands. No one can rip me apart. And I've got a future hope with you, right? And if I'm going to be living for your namesake and be a witness for your namesake, I've got to walk in joy. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is there, right? To, to bring light in the midst of the darkness so people will see the light. God's light inside our souls, right? And so let's dive a little deep on this. Does that make sense, folks? The difference And folks, let me tell you, this is the first step, I think, in faith of dealing with this depressive anxiety fear, right, that we have going on today is people don't know how. And I'm talking to the church, right? The difference between listening to myself and speaking to myself. This is the first step, and this is where we need to stop. We need to get in each other's lives. Hey, are you listening to yourself? Hey, son or daughter, whoa, it sounds to me like you're listening to yourself. You know, yourself is not going to do very good for yourself, Right? You need the Father. You need the Savior. You need the one who created you to speak into your life. 
And this is what redemption is all about. The Holy Spirit comes in, awakens our spirit, so we can have fellowship with the Spirit that John's talking about in this chapter. So I can hear the truth of God and speak it to myself. You never see a psalmist as honest as they are before God. God, why are the wicked prospering? Why is the world falling apart? Lord, where are your promises? Where are you at, God? That's how we speak very open and honest to God. But how do they, every one of them ends. They don't end in depression. They end in faith. But God, but no matter what's going on or how bad it is, I will stand and I will worship you, God. Right? And what's happened in America? In the midst of a little trial, and I'm going to saw it little, Compared to what the majority of the world and people have gone through. What's happened to the church? Man, I don't, I'm not even going to say anything because I think you understand. We got to learn to speak to ourselves. The truth of God. This is how we're going to move back into faith and joy. And this is exactly what John does. He stops in the midst of preaching the truth to his group of churches to hone in and to force in church now I need you to hear me I need you to, to, to hear this encouragement I need to sink deep within your soul so that you can speak this truth into yourself don't forget who you are we're not going to move on right to talk about in chapter 2 about the battle with the world the battle with false teachers the battle with everything that's coming your way if we first can't sit and learn to speak to ourselves and take the truth of God inside our soul and here's the truth gang is that people can sit in church for decades their entire life and never get this they can sit there in their entire life and they can hear great preaching podcasts, read books, everything else and they never are able to take the truth and to take it, make it their own and speak it into their soul. They've never learned to, by faith, let the word of God be louder in their soul than the word of their self or the world. Does that make sense? This again is spiritual formation. This is where we have to walk with each other and encourage each other and call this out. Just call it out, right? And uh, the power of setting that foundation of who we are in Christ, the power of setting the truth of God there, right, um, before us always, this is what our faith is in. This is what God has said about me, and I've got to speak that to myself. If I don't, there is no excuse, this is the culture we live in. It's crept into the church. This idea is, oh, I have an excuse or I, I can be this way. It's okay to be okay, not okay or whatever. No, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus died for you. So you would be okay. And not just okay. But the darkness would fade and light would come and you'd be redeemed, energized with the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. He did not redeem anybody to keep them depressive, to keep them into a life, right, where there's this struggle. Don't get me wrong. We all have struggles in life, but that should not be the stamp of who we are, right? Otherwise, what we're saying is that Jesus, you're not enough. And that is unbelief, right? So listen to what John says. I'm going to step back to verse 4. Verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. And that is to love each other. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor. And again, I ask you, how are you doing on this? How are we doing, church? Are we coming to church? Have you tried to think about this simple thing we've been asking is when you come, just ask the question, Lord, who can I love this morning? Show me someone to love this morning at church. Show me how to love the brethren this morning, right? 
And boy, how about we expand that question into our neighborhood, into just daily life. The Spirit of God will get on that, right? If I just say, Lord, who can I, who can I love today? Show me how to do that. Make ourselves available to be used by Him. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. That's true for God's economy in the world. Jesus has come. The darkness is passing away, folks. The world, later on we'll read, is passing away. The desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, the pride of life, everything that's in the world, everything that we see on steroids and aspen, it's passing away. Away. Jesus is coming. The light is coming. He's going to renew it and make it perfect and beautiful, right? And that is also true for your soul, your own life. If Jesus is your redeemer, guess what? The darkness is passing away. The light is shining. That is to define our lives. And that's what we should be giving testimony about is, Lord, let me, the darkness is passing. That, 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 that depressiveness, that, that, that bondage is passing away, Lord. Your light is shining. Joy is coming in the morning, right? And so... He's giving, this is just John, he's just uh, in his gospel and everything, he's the, he's the lover, right, of the disciples. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no, no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This Connection, this horizontal, horizontal and vertical connection. Love of God, loving neighbors, right? These two have to be connected. And now he breaks. And a lot of people come to us like, what is going on here? Somebody think it's poetry, some think it's a creed. And, and he breaks into this exhortation to the body in the midst of his theology and everything else. And he says this, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who's from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. What is he trying to to do here? And it comes back to this right here. He's trying to get his churches, the children of God. Remember, his word for children is used for anyone, right? We're all children of God. And uh, something else is going on here in these terms. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But um, what he's doing, he's stopping and he realizes unless these... Unless the church, unless those who follow him and are reading his letter in the church, unless they stop, unless they absorb and by faith take in who they are, take the truth of who they are from the word of God, is that they get stuck right there. There's not the foundation of faith to build upon, right? The rest of, of his of teaching is we have to shore up, right? The encouragement 
And we all need encouragement. That's why we're, one of the many reasons why we are to constantly gather together is to encourage each other, to love each other, build each other up. We use our gifts to build each other up, right? In the Lord, because we need that. And he's getting ready to go on to exhort them, right? In uh, some heavy ways and to talk about the battle with the world and the desires of the flesh and eyes and the pride of life and uh, the antichrist and the false teachers and everything that's out there in the world but before he does he's like you it's like going into battle without the armor or we're going to be exposed and when it comes to faith we've got to have this foundation um set where we know who we are and this should be a regular thing right and it's this foundation if it gets cracked right what happens is unbelief starts cracking in and then what happens is faith starts deconstructing And this is what's going on right now among many in the church, especially among our young people who are fading away the pressures of the world, right? And everything have have pulled back and it's exposing, right? And this is what the last few years is doing right now. It's exposing the quality, the depth, the assuredness of this foundation of faith, and it's being challenged. It's being the enemy's coming. And what's happening for many is they're deconstructing their faith. And some have not returned and will not return. Some have all. But um, as we know in scripture, in the next, the end of this, uh, this chapter, we'll get to it in a couple weeks. Um, John says to his own churches, some have gone out from us. And they will not return. They've deconstructed their faith. And they've gone out there now as messengers actually against the faith and who Jesus is, right? And so, um, I, I just want to uh, encourage you this morning. So just listen, and I'm going to take these verses and uh, receive the truth of God this morning by faith. This is who you are. And the first thing he says here, again, he has the children, it's a whole church, then he breaks it down, fathers and young men. And this is also this intertwining of all ages in the church, right? He's speaking about um, the church is to be a family. But also he's speaking about levels of maturity that happen in the church. And he uses this uh, language of fathers and young men to be this wonderful uh, exchange of the fathers or the the spiritually mature in the body. The young men are the spiritual immature. We know Paul speaks about, in all the New Testament, speaks about babes in Christ versus mature in Christ. And uh, what's important is that there's growth, that there's a movement forward, right? And, and he begins, he's writing to the whole church and he says, man, I'm writing to you, right? Because, and he's telling them, this is who you are. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Is that truth? Do you, do you just, is that just become old news to you? Your sins have been forgiven. If you know Jesus, If he's your Lord and Savior, you are set free from the power of sin and death. You have a sure hope in heaven. Your sins are forgiven. The burden of all burdens, every burden we carry is tied to something connected to shame or guilt or fear or one of these things. You're set free. You're right with God. Not based on your effort, not based on your spiritual 
you know, maturity or anything solely based on the work of Christ on the cross for you who believe it. Your sins are forgiven. Why is that? Why is this not, that not today just spark just overwhelming joy among God's people? Why in the midst of all of our daily junk and stresses and everything else, do we not just sit back and go, but Father, I'm yours. And I'm free before you. And loved before you. Forgiven. Right? For his name's sake. You remember that he saved you for his name's sake. He saved you to move the darkness out of your light, to bring his true light inside you, right? That you, that I, would be shining examples of Jesus. That people would see, wow, something's going on. There's a transformation taking place in that person's life. Your sins are forgiven. That should spark joy unspeakable in our lives. And he goes on to the fathers and he says and this to the more mature in the body and he says you know him who is from the beginning and I love this spiritual maturity as we grow we get to know Jesus we we start walking and learning about him but what John is laying hold of here is is a level of maturity where we start living the eternal life now We learn to shed the old life. We learn to embrace the new life and all the promises of God. And my life now is, is there isn't any timeline anymore. I'm living in eternity. I'm living with a focus that this life is, is just the beginning. I'm not living, I'm free from having to, oh, cram it in. I'm living free from regret. I'm living free from having to, to be affirmed by, by my trophies in this life. I'm free to live. Man, it won't end. I'm growing close with God. He's given me eternal life. And every day is a privilege just to enjoy Him and to see what He's going to do miraculously in this world and to be available to Him. That's a huge step of maturity. When I get out of my little myopic world, my little thing, and I start living for the kingdom. And my whole eyes, whether it's politics or what's going on in the world or in my own life, my eyes are the kingdom, what God is doing in His kingdom. That's maturity. And so he's encouraged. Come on, church, be encouraged. Be encouraged. You know him. And he has this abundant life, this larger than life idea for you, right, to walk in. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. Man. And this is the part of the growth, right, in the body, those who are not so mature, and they're learning to battle. And this is where he's like, church, come on. Let the testimonies rise. Let the testimonies rise. How are you overcoming the evil one? How are you overcoming, right, the darkness in your life? How is the Spirit of God changing you, bringing the darkness away and the light to your life? Let us hear it. Let it ring out. Be encouraged, church. God is at move. He's moving. He is helping you, um, young believer, to learn how to go to war. To take the arsenal of the gospel, right, in the spiritual realm and to get free in your life from the sin that binds you up, right? And to give testimony of God's mighty work in your life. Every resource that we need 
to kill every bondage we deal with is given to us in the Lord. Do you believe that? Because that's not actually where the American church believes. We've added a lot of pluses. We've added a lot of processes. We've added a lot of things here. But in our own lives, where faith takes over, where this takes over, what John is saying, come on, church. Everything you need for life and godliness, everything you need for breakthrough, everything you need for transformation, everything you need for joy is found in Him. Not in the world. In Him. The factor is my faith. The factor is, am I going to learn to speak to myself the truth of God by faith or am I going to continue to listen to myself and nurture unbelief in my life? And you say, God, that just sounds so simple. Guess what? It's that simple. We have made it so stinking complex with a thousand other plans and processes out there. We've lost the power of the simplicity of the gospel. And the power of childlike faith to claim this is ours. And to listen, take him at his word. Lord, this is what you said. I take that by faith. I'm going to stand there. Faith Right? It's not if it doesn't happen. It's regardless of the circumstances. I'm not feeling this yet, Lord, but I'm not budging. Right? That's faith. So I want to go a little deeper um, this morning, if I can. And uh, because this is a big issue today. And people, we all are struggling with, I'm just going to call it what Jones called it, spiritual depression. There's a lack of joy among God's people. There's a lack of faith believing that everything we need for the abundant life is found in the gospel. We might say that, but we're not practically living that out. We are striving for everything else to help us rather than our Savior himself and his truth. And he defined people. He defined a large swath of of the church back, this is the 60s. It's no different today. And he says this, um, and this would be defining um, people who would be depressed Christians. They seem to know enough about Christianity to spoil their enjoyment of the world. (laughs) All right. I know, I know enough of Christianity to know that, dadgummit, I can't do that anymore. And ah, I feel guilty when I do that. But look what a terrible position this is. Right? They know enough about Christianity to spoil their enjoyment of the world. And yet they do not know enough to feel happy about themselves. Wow. Is that not where we're at today? The church is full right, of people right, who say they believe in the word of God, but oh, they're dabbling out there and they're like guilty. And, right, we all have been in, in this at some time or another. But man, we are not sure about our own happiness, who we are, what God's done for us, how much we're loved by God. We're not rock solid on this foundation of faith right, where joy is bubbling up. Right? They see and yet they do not see. I think you'll agree that I'm describing the condition less of large numbers of people. Wow. Do you know anyone like that? You know any Christians like that? They were just stuck. And I think every one of us have been stuck in this place at one time or another 
We know enough about Christianity to, to, to be guilty. <laughs> and I thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. But we don't know enough to walk in the freedom and joy of who I am in Him. How much He loves me. How much He's done for me. What He's called me to. What He's available for me at any time to do. By faith, right? So as we close, um, let's move to Mark chapter 8. And um, let me do this quickly. I just commend to you, read Mark 8, 14 through 26. And uh, this is where um, Jones connected. He used this. And what had happened is, Jesus just fed 5,000, 4,000. He has the disciples in the boat. Remember, they only take one loaf of bread with them. And they're complaining about, oh, we don't have enough bread. <laughs> this is unbelievable, right? But I'm like, thank you, Lord, because that's just, that, that's me. It makes me feel like these disciples are normal people, right? They'd seen him feed 5,000 and then 4,000. They're in the boat. They have one loaf of bread and they're complaining, worrying about if, how they're going to eat. <laughs> Folks, that just defines the church, does it not? Our battle of faith. And, uh, and, and of course, you know, Jesus kind of gets on to him slightly there, right? Again, and folks, please listen to me. We've got to restore this. Jesus repeatedly tells the church and people, where is your faith? We got to get comfortable with that. And we got to start exhorting one another with that. And Jesus, with these guys, it wasn't like, where's your faith? It's like, he, I know you have some faith, but where is it? <laughs> you see the difference? Obviously, you have faith. You're in the boat with me. But where is it? And we need to exhort one another with that. Say, I know, I mean, I know you're a brother or a sister in the faith, but man, where's your faith? You lost it? Why are you not applying it, Right? And then he moves from there. And this was such amazing insight to me. And he goes into this healing um, section. Verses 22 through 26. And it says this. And they came to Basada. And some people brought to him a blind man. <clears throat> and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand. And led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes. He laid his hands on him and asked him. Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they're like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, do not enter the village. Wow. Derek, y'all come on up. This is where I want to lend. I hope you'll take that passage and say, wait, Steve, what's going on here? You ever wonder why Jesus did this crazy thing? He took the guy, hey, heal this blind guy. Most of the time, all throughout, right, Jesus would just, he would speak to the blindness. He would put his hands on them, they would be healed. But this time, he takes him outside, and he actually spits on his eyes, and, you know, heals him. And then when he prays for him, his, he, he, he says, can you see? And the guy says, well, I, I, I'm better, I, I, but I, all I see is like men like walking like fuzzy. And Jesus prays for him again. And then he can see clearly. Now why did Jesus do that? This is so brilliant. And this is why it's important to read in context. That was for the disciples. What had they they just done? They had just seen Jesus feed 5,000, 4,000. And they're still worried about not having enough to eat with one loaf of bread. And so this is the healing 
is again, Jesus is always teaching, right? He's simply making a profound message to them, right? With faith. Guys, you're seeing dimly. Your faith is only allowing you to see dimly. Is you need to be honest and ask me, right? To open your eyes fully. And folks, today, if we're going to break through into joy and faith, we've got a lot of the church today still coming out of the last few years looking very dimly at things. Looking very dimly, right, when it comes to our sight, our spiritual sight. And we need the Lord, come and bring your healing. Give me full sight. Give me full joy. And folks, I think many people right, just come to faith and they never actually seen clearly. Is that they've received Jesus, been in the church for deacons, but never have stepped into joy unspeakable, really. The joy of the Lord that defines their life. And his point is, what if that guy said, hey, I'm better. I can, I can see shadows. I, I'm, wow, I'm, this is good enough. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm healed. This is great. It's exactly where the church today is at. We are comfortable with seeing dimly when the Lord wants to give us clarity. And that's a faith step. We just have to ask, Lord, I've touched your joy. I need it fully. And this is where we have to get honest with each other and pray for each other. Love each other. Be honest with each other and pray for each other. Now I want to move from the spiritual as we close to the, because this is going to tie tonight to our healing service. And um, by the way, we call it a healing service. It's just we're, gonna, we're just going to worship the Lord and see what He does. No different than right here. This is a healing service. Every Sunday should be a healing service across the board. And so this morning, we just as we worship, folks, I just say this, get honest with your soul. If you need prayer, if you want to see clearly, just ask someone. There will be some of us always up here, but ask someone to pray for you. I want to see clearly. I want joy unspeakable. But also physically, if you have asked for prayer, but you've only, let's be honest with each other, when we ask for prayer, and like, oh, I feel a little better, I feel a little better. Do not be satisfied with that. No, I want full healing. I don't know about you, but I have something in my life. God is, I'm partially healed. I'm rejoicing in it, but I'm not completely healed. Lord, I'm not stopping until it's complete. Does that make sense, gang? I believe this is a prophetic word for the entire church, right? Is that we have not gone to complete. We just got content with a little, a little something. So, Father, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, let your spirit move. Father, let us be a people, Lord, that want to see clearly, who are honest. It's a safe place. It's a place we can be honest with each other. Is that, Lord, I've prayed for this issue and and I'm still struggling. So I I want breakthrough, God. I want full light, the darkness gone. I want joy. I want physical healing, God. Lord, let this be a time of just honesty and ministry, Lord. Loving ministry. And even if I'm struggling myself, it doesn't keep me from, by faith, praying for somebody else. Yeah, Lord. Come and restore your church, Lord. Powerfully, Lord. Come now. In Jesus' name. Amen. So gang, let's just minister to each other. See what the Lord does. 
If you need prayer, please don't walk out of here. Happy seeing vaguely. Happy, just don't walk out of here just being content with just a little happiness, a little jolt. Let someone pray for you. Be willing to pray for somebody else. Let's love on each other. And let's take God as word. Not only speak to ourselves the truth, but let's speak to each other with the truth. And that's what the word says. Speak the truth in love right to each other. So as we come to the table, um, let's just see what the Lord will do. All right? Let's just love on each other. Make sense, gang? Let's keep diving in.